everybody. Welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. There is no echo anymore. Robert Donez Jr. has left the building. You didn't even know there was a Robert Donez Jr. that existed, did you? I didn't. Um, and that lovely voice you just heard is a guy by the name of Jamin Shively. Say hello, Jamin. Hello. Hello, ja- everyone. That's an interesting name, Jamin. Yes. Where does it Where does it come from? So, uh, my great, I was my father wanted me to be named after my great grandfather, Diego Peyser, and Diego in English is James. So my dad said, "Let's name him James." My mom didn't like the S at the end of James, so they played around with different letters to substitute and came up with Jamin. No, wait, what's Jaime? What What is that name? Because I would have never thought Diego translates to Jamin or yeah. James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Jaime is, would be Jamie. Well, okay. All right. Well, it shows what I know. <laughs> so anyway, this is Innovation Crush. Uh, for those of you also out there who don't know, uh, where we kind of take a look and a gander into the worlds of uh, some of the best innovators that we can find uh, behind some of the greatest projects we can find in the world. So, um, Jamin, you've been very, very busy. Um, yes. I, I came to know you from a, a feat I thought was pretty incredible by building a brand from scratch with no product. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And the number one of the, 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 if not the only brand, right? If, can you just talk about that, that process a little bit? Of, yeah, yeah. Of building? Absolutely, absolutely. So I was, first of all, just a little background. So I was corporate strategy manager at Microsoft where my expertise is uh, the analysis and actual creation of completely new categories of products and services. Oh, wow. And so at Microsoft, I was focused on, you know, high-tech uh, categories. Where in the hierarchy of the organization is this? Or, or yeah, so, so this, this falls under the vice president of corporate strategy uh, who direct who reports directly to the CEO. Got it. Yeah. Right, that's, that's, so uh, give, us, give us an example of some of the, some of the Shively products that we – May be happy with or very angry with. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I can't tell you about the ones that you'd be angry with, but um, or I choose not to. But what I can talk about is one uh, project that didn't get off the ground, um, and it and it's kind of a very interesting story about how innovation happens and often doesn't happen inside big corporations. But uh, to leapfrog Google uh, over the kind of general consumer search space that they dominate so thoroughly into business to business right completely different realm um so i created a whole strategy for that and a prototype for it and a go-to-market strategy and i interviewed uh, business owners of various different types in various different countries and came up with a whole new platform and what's interesting is so the general search uh, market is taking a larger and larger slice out of the advertising pie right and that's about a 750 billion dollar per year pie worldwide now, business-to-business sales and marketing spend is in the trillions of dollars, with a T. Wow. It's a much, much bigger pie, and no one is dominating it, right, in terms of a, a, an online marketplace, a right. business-to-business online marketplace. So I created this whole platform for it to leapfrog Google, but, but instead, Microsoft went head-to-head against Google with tiny little Bing, right? <laughs> and <laughs> Bing! Which is tiny, as denoted by the name. Exactly. Right, right. (laughs) You know, eeny, weeny. Anyway, and it it was, and I could see that Bing would be a total disaster. And so before Bing was launched in the, you know, couple years prior to that, I was lobbying everyone I could within the company. Steve Ballmer, Bill Gates. Right. uh, Most of the senior vice presidents and um, pretty much all the vice presidents within online services. And I was trying to educate them on the fundamental laws of marketing. And, and it's fascinating. Marketing can be an amazingly powerful tool, as you well know, oh, yeah. as long as you, you know, follow the, the it, there are laws of marketing just like there are laws of physics. And, um, but most people don't know that. And That's so they, very true. they think, oh, man, if I'm just creative and, you know, whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, if, if I build something really cool, people will come. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so um, this, this kind of... Uh, dearth of ex- of expertise in marketing microsoft's you know run ma- mainly by engineers and you know mba folks who haven't necessarily learned the laws of marketing because they don't teach it in most mba right. programs it's it's something much more sophisticated and but absolutely necessary and so here i was on this just campaign you know to 
to sh- demonstrate because you can essentially mathematically demonstrate it. The equivalent of mathematical demonstration, especially to an engineer, like that would be the it, best. It, <laughs> you it, would assume exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I was like buying, uh, you know, marketing books and giving them giving them to these other executives within the company uh, to educate them on the, right. on the fundamentals. And I mean, that's how far we had gone off track. And so, but no, we 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 as a company plunged headlong into disaster with Bing, and it's lost more money than any, any other. Inter- enterprise in the history of the internet. So surprisingly, you didn't leave Microsoft to start this platform that you're talking about. No. <laughs> well, actually, I, I, I did. I I left it to st- to start it uh, in the specialty foods industry because w- what it what it constitutes is industry specific business to business online marketplaces. Right. And so w- what I was promoting within Microsoft was that we we do this for all industries a different marketplace for each industry, Got it. but collectively span all the industries that constitute the global economy. Wow. Right? Yeah. And that's where you're going after that multi-trillion dollar. No, but that's also where people go like, huh? Like, you know, I'm sure, is that kind of where you feel like the battle was lost? Like, I, I feel like sometimes when you go specialty foods, this is how it's going to, you know, go, yeah. and you break down that, that, you know, that one example, and then you go, and we can do it in these other three or four. Like, right. did you go in, like, lofty, like... No, no, no. no okay, no. okay. When, when, when an ultra-focused with a, with a specialty food brand, you right. know, focused on that sector, um, and then just went after the manufacturers, and then you have the chicken and egg problem of how do you build up both an audience of the, the manufacturers who are selling products in that industry... And the buyers, the business-to-business buyers, the buyers who buy for supermarket chains and right. you know mom-and-pop stores and whatnot. That's amazing. Um, what does what does lobbying look like inside an organization like that for you? Is it? I mean, is it like meeting after meeting? Like, are you supporting facts? Like, what 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 was your personal strategy in that situation? Yeah, yeah. My personal strategy was to appeal to reason and to what's in the best interest of the company. And the biggest resistance that I ran into is, oh, well, that's a brilliant idea, but you know what? It's contrary to the goals of this, you know, senior vice president. Well, if it's contrary to the goals of the senior vice president, but the proposal is correct, right, by a wide margin, then the goals of the senior vice president need to change. So let me go talk to him. And so so I would just go up the chain um, until ultimately I was I was told no the decision has come down from the top we're going in this direction no was no it, did you have to go to like some ominous room where there was just a throne and a light where you could see oh, who was up there oh exactly I couldn't see it. yeah and it was like yeah <laughs> I have come with my proposal who so, it's like it's like going to see Oz yeah exactly so, so basically having gotten the innovation beaten out of me at Microsoft uh, then in you know in 2012 I'm looking at the, uh, the, the cannabis, uh, you know, the legalization of cannabis, the fact that it's happening. And at that time, um, I had done cannabis. Which also relates directly to specialty foods for some people. Absolutely. <laughs> a, a direct link. It is a specialty food or a specialty food ingredient, or it should be. Anyway. Right. Uh, but uh, having look – so in 2012, looking at this legalization process happening uh, – let me just make an analogy for you. This is a great kind of market. I, I have all these little marketing stories. I I love, this, is, you, you, this is the perfect platform for you then. Okay. Well, market away. Okay, awesome. So this, this is story time. It's as if, imagine it's like, you know, 1890, right? And I, I'm, I'm black. That's, that's a bad time for us. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> imagine, imagine that it's 2012, Okay. right? Oh, yeah. No, imagine it's 2008 and uh, cola soft drinks are illegal. Just historically, they've, they've been illegal right. for the last 200 years. Why? Well, because, because they've got sugar and corn syrup and caffeine and carbonation and it's bad for the stomach. And, <laughs> yeah. Okay, whatever. All right, so it's illegal. But you know what? Everyone's drinking it. And people are brewing it in their basement and then they're, you know, right. they're giving it away to neighbors. They're selling, you know, some people are, oh, they're selling it. Oh, they're trafficking in, in cola soft drinks. Ooh. Right. But, and in all this activity and all these, you know, tens of billions of dollars or hundreds of billions of dollars globally in spend on cannabis and consumption of cannabis, there was not a single established brand. Hmm. Now, why was there not a brand? Well, because it was illegal. Duh. It's not like anyone wants to put a big sign out <laughs> right. in front of their house. Hey, I'm growing this great, you know, Jamin branded weed. Yes. Or the branding was limited, right? I think the branding was sort of limited to the nickname of a particular product or where it came from or well, something like that. Actually, you're talking about a different thing. You're, which you're talking about the names of certain strains or varieties. Sure. But those aren't exactly brands. They're strains because, Got you it. know, like OG Kush or something like that. I mean, there's, you know, 
hundreds of growers, that probably right. thousands who grow Oji Kush, right? Yep. So that, it's it's close, but it, but it's not exactly a brand. Got it. And but a lot of people think that those are brands. Anyway, bottom line, the the industry was nowhere in terms of branding. There wasn't a single established brand, you know, that anyone could recognize. Yeah, at, of course. At a national level, so. Now, so back to the so back to the cola analogy. In that context, then suddenly people are talking about you know legalizing cola soft drinks. Ooh, well, my goodness, a Coca Cola brand is going to emerge. A Pepsi Cola brand is going to emerge, right. and then a whole bunch of also brands are also going to emerge. And most of them are going to die, and some of them are going to try to hang in there like RC Cola. And you know, <laughs> I was, I was going to say RC Cola. No, no, and, and, and then new specialty colas are constantly popping up, sure. you know, like Jones Soda and, you know, all these locally, you know, small batch brewed, handcrafted, whatever, yep. you know. But but bottom line, so I looked at this opportunity where there's – I knew there was going to be a number one brand and it would be worth tens of billions of dollars. And I thought, why not create it? And with the legacy that, that I have that I – as I mentioned earlier, um, I set about creating – the number one brand of cannabis. And it was all done through PR, through the media. Wow. Uh, because, you know, if you try to do it through advertising, first of all, that would be illegal. And second of all, it's nowhere near as effective. If I advertise, hey, Chris, hey, I've got the best, you know, bleach ever. Oh, you know, right. you, you know you, you've got automatic, you know, resistance right. antibodies to, the, to that kind of, you know, message. But if, like, you're watching the news and, oh, that's a really interesting story, then, you know, your mind is open. And right. you listen. Oh, 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 this, this. Oh, they're, they're pioneering premium cannabis? Oh, you know, it's, and you're, you're very receptive. And what a fascinating story. It's this ex-Microsoft guy and blah, 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 and, you know, corporate yeah. strategy and all. You know, and it's being, being applied to cannabis. And so in that way, we became the number one brand. And, and you can Google, just Google brand of marijuana and see what comes up. I Googled it last night, and both the number one and the number two hit hits were about the brand that we built. Now, what... I'm always curious as, as to like what the hurdles are, right? Because when when you, you're in the process of legalizing, right, it's not 100 yeah. percent legal. You have obviously geographic constraints, but then you know the voyeuristic side of me is like, well, what about the people who aren't doing it legally, and how do they feel about that kind of effort? Oh yeah, yeah. no, no. A lot of them were very, very offended, and <laughs> to put it lightly, or oh so. sure, yeah, but, and and but I, but it was because they didn't know who I was or what I stood for. They were just going off of what the media was spouting out, right? Right. And one of the things I love about your format of your show, Chris, is that we can actually get into the depths of some really interesting. Well, we go deep. We go deep. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so going deep. Um, the, what they didn't know is that the reason that I went into this in the first place was prior to this, I was in you know 2011, 2012. I was working on developing a software platform and some artificial intelligence technology, perfecting some that I had deployed successfully elsewhere right. um, to, for creating a model to optimize, uh, to, to model and optimize food production and food distribution worldwide across all major, right. you know, categories of, of food products and, in, you know, including livestock and dairy and processed foods and, you know, cornmeal and things like that. Um, with what objectives? With the, the objectives of ensuring that all the world's people are adequately nourished and that the production and distribution of food globally is done in a sustainable way, right. in a way that actually reverses global warming. And we can talk more about that on this program or, or at a later time, <laughs> but that's a very deep topic. Um, and so I was working on this model, and I figured out that I would probably need to spend about 5 to $10 billion per year in order to end world hunger because it's a process of, you know, there are relief efforts that sure. need to be done simultaneous with longer-term infrastructure development projects, simultaneous with PR and marketing. Oh, yeah. it's, it's not a it, – I mean, that's historically been the problem is the Band-Aids, right, like dropping the bags of rice. Exactly, exactly. does no one any good in the, in the long term. Exactly, exactly. So here we're talking about um, essentially optimizing the world's food production and distribution both – for humanitarian reasons, for climate change, for reversing global warming, for the sure. long-term sustainability just of life on planet Earth or life anywhere resembling what we know it currently. Um, also for managing the world's natural resources responsibly, including water, topsoil, uh, phosphate fertilizers, of, of which are a limited resource just sure. like oil. Oil, you know. Um, and, at this, and also addressing 
other uh, global issues such as war, financial crises, etc. So a global model. I mean, eventually it would, it would get more and more sophisticated sure. over time. It would start off focusing on the food part of the economy and over time expand to other sectors of the economy. Because right now we're essentially on a collision course with disaster. Yeah. Um, and, you know, everyone – all, most you know re- reasonable people uh, who are educated and, and, and following the science uh, can attest that that's the case. Um, but we're not doing anything about it. We're sure. not doing anything. I mean, you know, you've got things like the Kyoto Treaty, but you know, people, you know, it. Go ahead. No, I was going to say. Well, like going back to like I don't know with the with the I you've painted this broad global you know spectrum of a picture yeah. of what you look to accomplish, and then. On the streets, right? You you've got Joe Schmo who doesn't like what you're doing. Are are you if if they don't know you, are you bringing them into the movement that you're creating? Like absolutely, okay, absolutely, yeah. And and later we'll talk about the eco platform. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, yeah, that we're launching. Why why not? Why later? Why let's do it now? Great, great. (laughs) So so but 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 to to round out the last story. So that's what I was working on prior to starting the cannabis project, and realizing how much money I would need or we would need, whatever the organization that we would create to do this. And then seeing the cannabis opportunity where you've got an opportunity to create tens of billions of dollars in in market value, right? And essentially one fell, you know, stroke, (laughs) right? And uh, so I jumped into that for that reason. Right. Because it, and it was, it was not an easy decision um, because it, it meant taking my family name and associating with cannabis. Right. In a very, very public way. Right. And what Um, what were some of the, uh, like, what what are the pluses and minuses of that, right? Uh, you know, just if you can dive into that. A yeah, little bit. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the the pluses are, uh, you know, living my conscience. You know, seeing that there are, there really is a, a way to uh, ensure that all the world's people are adequately nourished, and that that we we as humans live life sustainably on the planet. Um, and knowing that that's achievable, and that I can help uh, to you know, do my part to, sure. see, to see to it that that, that actually happens. Um, there, it was unconscionable for me to not uh, take, you know, big, bold steps in that direction. Sure. Cannabis, it does two things. Number one, it, it's it's going to be immensely profitable as a, as a sector, as an industry. So there was tremendous profit potential there. But it, but it also gives me uh, and others a, a platform. Excuse me. Excuse me, to, to, <laughs> to communicate. It's like, it's like a, a bee just flew across your uh, mustache area. <laughs> it's like, did a mosquito go in his mouth? What happened? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, but it, it, it gives me and others a platform to talk about these global transformational issues and how they're all interconnected. Right. And how it's, yeah, it's great to go after one at a time, but there's also a much bigger picture that we can go after uh, – transforming all the world's global transformational issues in right. one holistic process. So that's, it, the, that's the side that makes you the hero, right, as far as, like, the, the pros and cons, right? No, no, no. no. The, the, the heroism is not a pro. That well, was, to your family, like, you know, I, I would think, like, you being a pioneer with this goal, and it, it, it's not tied to just money, right? It's not tied to, like, ooh, I'm going to jump on this bandwagon because I see a business opportunity. Yeah. It was something that was deeply connected to things that you that you care about. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, but the downside being the downside being that you know my name is associated with cannabis, my family name is associated with cannabis. Uh, there are risks of being assassinated. Um, you know, uh, President Vicente Fox, when we did our big press conference on May 30th of last year, I saw that. At one point, he puts his arm around me and says, "I'm very happy to have Jamin Shively sitting next to me." Instead of El Chapo Guzman. And I'm thinking, wow. holy shit, you know. Right. I mean, I, I, please don't do that, right? <laughs> yes. You know, and then, and then a couple months later, we hold this big three-day symposium in Mexico, right? Yes. I led a 10-person delegation from the United States. Yeah, I've heard you talk. speak on that one, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, so, so the, and, and, you know, and I seriously, you know, I have concerns. I have to be careful, right, in terms of safety. Right, because you know there are big, big kind of you know sinister forces at work in this industry, right? That makes sense. That makes total sense. Well, good luck. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was Jamin Shively, ladies and gentlemen. Um, no, so why would you know? I, I guess it seems like a big leap, or you know, or a, 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 a 
complete change in direction, right? Going from Microsoft mm-hmm. to this industry. Yeah. Were there other vehicles that you considered in order to solve a lot of these world problems? Yeah. Um, was there like was there another route you would have gone, and how did this become the one? Yeah, yeah. So great questions, Chris. Keep them coming. Um, I considered simply taking the story of the model, the computer model that I was developing. Uh, which would be used to opti- yep. you know to create optimal scenarios or optimal futures for the planet, um, and just telling the story of that model. Hey, here's this cool model. Check it out, right? Um, but it seemed like a bit of an uphill battle. And then, but with cannabis, it's just such an electrifying topic. Everyone right. is so interested in it, and and you know, there's not a lot of people who are kind of like ambivalent about it. Either they think it should be illegal or, or right. you know, or their mind is open and it's like, wait a second, now I'm exploring it. I used to think, you know, right. I, I talk about the twin myths of, of prohibition. Uh, cannabis is illegal, therefore it must be bad, right? right? And if it's bad, well, of course it, sh- it should be illegal, right? And, yeah. and a lot of people – I was, you know, brought up in that, in that sure. cyclic logic. And so given that it's such a hot topic and the transformation – of, uh, of, of prohibition is happening so quickly. Sometimes it feels slowly to people who've been working hard at it day in, day out. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, if you really take a step back and look at the past few years, it's been accelerating exponentially. Those floodgates have just, like, opened. All over the place. Exactly. And, um, you know, look at Congressman Dana Rohrabacher's uh, bill that he passed uh, yeah. in, in the House of Representatives, getting you know Republicans and Democrats to to come together. What was that? What was that bill? Just for the audience. Yeah. So it's it's states' rights. And for me, I'm just I just. Oh yeah. I so, pass it uh, off on the audience because I. Uh... <laughs> sure. So it's the Rohrabacher Far Bill, and it it and what it does is it accomplishes that the federal government cannot uh, interfere with the individual states as to how the states want to okay you know, you know, what they want to do with cannabis. And so uh, things are accelerating so quickly that I realized this is a perfect opportunity to jump on one gl- of the global transformational issues sure. of the you know, six to ten different hot issues and uh, create a platform where I have a huge you know, audience watching, listening, yeah. right? looking at these, at these you know, wow, these big, bold moves that sound crazy, and aren't you afraid that you're going to get thrown in jail, or aren't you going to be afraid of well, this? Even along those lines, a question that's in my head right now yeah. is, like, just a, from a, on a personal level, where did you learn to dream this big, right? Most people are like, grocery I, store. Chris, <laughs> I love your questions, and I love this program. Dude, I, I don't want to leave you. here. Let's, let's, let's keep going. We, hey, we, we, let's make it a marathon. Let's make it. Get, do, do you have time? Um, no, but... Uh, <laughs> Do you have time, Anthony? You can uh. <laughs> really let's do this because you asked a great question. the The number one source of inspiration for me has, has always been my father, John Shively, who is a brilliant mechanical engineer. But in addition to just doing his you know brilliant mechanical engineering work, his you know day job, um, he would take a look at what was going on in the San Francisco Bay Area, and he would say, "Wow, all right, they want to put." Uh, we lived in a small town called Albany, just north of Berkeley. On the, on the East Bay, and uh, the uh, a, com- uh, a company wanted to put in a uh, I shouldn't I probably should be careful what I say about <laughs> this, but they wanted to put in a, a gambling casino on the East Bay, mm. and my dad was very very concerned that a lot of poor people right because gambling is a terrible addiction. Talk about addiction; it's going to be a terrible addiction. So my dad was very concerned about uh, poor people taking money that they should be using to buy food for their kids and going and trying to triple it. At right. the casino and coming back with nothing, right? Right. But a hangover, right? And so that's where my idea for hamburgers at the blackjack table comes in. Five dollar bet, you get a burger, <laughs> and then <laughs> you get full and you walk away. You, you walk away with brilliant, no money, brilliant, no good, but you're full. Yeah, Which exactly. Is- anyway, so my 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 dad took that on, right? And he became very very unpopular at first. He was the only person of of influence who was standing up and saying, "Hey, this is bad. We shouldn't do it." And then over time, he built up a whole movement. Wow. And at one point, uh, the mob sent a guy to try to kill my dad. Wow. Yeah. And did he foresee that? Like, you know. No. I, I, wow. No. Okay. Uh-uh. And uh, anyway, my dad's a Korean War veteran, very, very strong I'm guy. I'm sure he wasn't having it. <laughs> <laughs> so he, 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 he put return to sender on the hitman and sent him back as damaged goods. All right. All right. This is a great interview. Um, okay. So... Fast forward to where you are now. Yeah. Um, you mentioned ECO earlier. Yeah. Uh, it is an acronym of sorts, right? Yeah. Uh, ICCCO. Exactly. I triple C O. 
And you got to go to eco.org to see the logo. It's beautiful because the C's are co-centric, so it looks like ICO. And it stands for the International Coalition of Cannabis Companies and Organizations. And, Chris, we have a fascinating opportunity here. Now, when I say we, I mean the big we. Right. Oh, I mean, you and I. I was going. I was like, sign me up. <laughs> you, you are. Signed, <laughs> no, no. You, you are signed up because this is this is this is a really super cool interview, and I hope a lot of people listen to it because we're getting into some serious. Oh, they'll listen. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and and pass it on because th- this is a really fascinating topic. So, of all the industries in the world, right, all of which need to be transformed, some more than others, because we need to transform the global economy and life as we know it on Earth to change the goals from being, you know, personal freedom to accumulate wealth and do whatever you want and, you know, have all kinds of fun at the expense of the planet uh, to a world where our number one priority is that everyone in the world is adequately nourished, which is just so within our means. It really just takes us making a decision collectively as a world that we're going to make this a top priority and not compromise on that. Um, And then also uh, there is very much at hand the opportunity to uh, see once once food security is established right uh and natural resources are being managed responsibly and there's a lot of mechanisms to achieve that then suddenly the incentives for war are tremendously diminished right so the best way to prevent war is not through you know threatening other people but simply remove the incentives for people to go to war in the first place right we Look, we have the technology, we have the know-how, we have the the benefit of history. Um, we're pretty smart creatures, we human beings, and when we put our heads together, we can do, we can accomplish amazing things. But we're also really greedy. We are, we're, we're, well, <laughs> you know. And and so when you look at um, the idea of sort of like this u- u- utopian future, yeah. yeah. Uh, a two questions: one, how long of a process do you envision this? Right, you as a big dreamer. Yeah. Um, and then two. I feel like there's always going to be some sort of opposition. Oh, sure, right? sure, sure. You know, it's it's funny. <laughs> I was having an amazing conversation with uh, Congressman Dana Rohrabacher about this recently, and we were, were kicking around an idea of to show just how viable this future is of, you know, of a life on planet Earth which is sustainable and where everyone is nourished. Right. And uh, there is, you know, minimal, minimal conflict, Right. You know, yeah, little two-year-olds might still squabble over a toy, yes. right? But, but, you know, we're not going to be bombing each other, right, and uh, flying planes into buildings and whatnot. So uh, what sounds like utopia is so imminently achievable um, as long as – so basically what we're talking about doing is the transformation of the perception of the cannabis industry, which is, tr- which is rapidly transforming from this taboo – of, you know, it's, it's the domain of drug cartels and, you know, unwashed hippies with machine guns up in the hills of far northern California. Right. You know. I've th- seen those films. <laughs> right, right. So, so, you know, that was the perception. And sure. now it's rapidly transforming thanks to all this PR that's being done. Right. right? And I've had the privilege of, of playing a role in that. Um, with that and the, the, with the transformation of perception at a global scale that we're achieving with the cannabis industry and how cannabis is perceived – um, we need to engage in a much larger, com- more comprehensive process to transform the perception of hunger. Right. right now it's perceived as, oh, that's just a very unfortunate thing. It's really too bad that it happens. Right. Um, but, you know, if they just went and would just get a job, right? Or, oh, uh, well, you know, they have too many children and so it's their own fault and so they kind of naturally have to die off. And then the population... Oversimplification over- on behalf s- of the... Tre- the- tremendous oversimplification. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, just as human beings, you know, when we were little kids... The way when we're born into the into the world with just an open, loving heart and an open mind, if we'd see that someone else is suffering, well, you help them, right? right? You don't just sit back and let them suffer. That's and true. and so I think at some point, all of us growing up as little kids, at some point, some part of us died when we came to embrace this idea that it's okay to just let those tens of millions of people starve to death every year. Right. Some part of us died. And it's that part that I want to come back to life for all of us. And I believe it's, it's immediately at hand. It's imminently at hand. Right. And, Chris, you're doing your part in helping to uh, spread the message. I'll do what I can. 
Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, no, that, I mean that's that's. I mean, it's funny, you know, when you think about like how desensitized we become or behaviors that we learn. So, I, you know, I get it when you when you say that there's an entire ecosystem. No, no pun intended. Yeah, on, yeah exactly. No, no. It's, or it's, pun it's, is intended. Pun, pun is intended. Absolutely. It. No, there's an ecosystem of yeah. behavioral slash societal and emotional change. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, what's step one? Here's, here's the, so step number one is the launching and development of Eco and a global conversation about cannabis and about building the operating system for the global cannabis industry. What is an operating system for an industry? What does that look like? Well, it consists of... Says the Microsoft guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, everybody knows what an operating system for a yeah, computer no. is, or most yes. people do. But an operating system for an industry, it's actually a concept I came up with. I Googled it. No one else had been talking about an operating system for an industry. But I thought, look, with cannabis, we're starting with a clean slate. For the first time in, in memory, right? right? Other than, I mean, probably the last time was the development of, you know, the computer and micro, microelectronics industries and whatnot, you know, in the Silicon Valley and other places where, you know, whole new categories are popping up like sure. popcorn. A whole new industry is being created. Not since then have we seen such a massive scale industry either grow from nothing or, in this case, get transformed from black market to fully legitimate legal. And so we have an opportunity to create a foundation for the industry, right. unlike we would have for any other industry on the planet, because it's, we're, we're starting from a clean slate. So let's talk about the components of that operating mm -hmm. system. We're talking about the laws of the industry, right? Think about, like, the model penal code. It's actually a fascinating story. You can, you know, look it up for those who want to get deep into it. But in the 1920s, a bunch of smart lawyers got together and said, hey, look, every single country, every single state is kind of rolling their own as far as criminal law, right. right? Why don't we create like a standard text, right, of the model penal code? <laughs> no one asked them to do it. No government, you know, commissioned them to do it or gave them the okay, and they didn't ask anyone's permission. Right. They just sat down and did it. Right. So, uh, and then, uh, and then, I love that because that's kind of like what innovation is, right? Exactly. Like you see, you you see a problem that people don't even know exists yet, <laughs> right? Not even a problem, an opportunity. Exactly. Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. And so they just sat down and did it, and they came up with the model penal code. Well, we we the big we, right? All the fo all the different folks who are contributing to this effort are creating the model cannabis code, and alongside that getting the rubber to hit the road, the model rules and regulations for government. Brilliant. <laughs> okay? And the standards for the industry, scientific standards, industrial standards, safety standards, medical standards, right? Right. The full gamut. But we create the foundation for the industry with specific goals in mind. What are those goals? Well, what's most important? What's most important? Let's get back to basics that everyone on the planet be adequately nourished, right? that there be peace at the international level, the national level, the local level, all the way down to the neighborhood level. Okay? These are the goals. No, that's awesome. Okay? Look, what we have right now, the operating system that we have for the global cannabis industry currently, right. how does it work? If you use cannabis, we're going to handcuff you, we're going to arrest you. We're going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm oversimplifying, yes. right? Obviously, it depends on the country and the state. I've been all, on all sides of that conversation. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, you know, uh, so governments are, are violating their own people. They're imparting, impa imparting violence on their own people. Uh, that's part of the current operating system. Right. And in, in certain countries around the world, those who traffic in the, in the substance, if you compete with me and you overstep my territory, I'll chop off your head and the heads of everyone in your village. Right. Right. And if you're passing through my turf and you're a teenager trying to flee from war-torn Central America up to the promised land, I can kidnap you and, and use you as a soldier. These are these are the rules right. that the industry is, is playing by today. Right. So obviously all that's rapidly becoming obsolete thanks to the bravery of President Vicente Fox, who I did four right. ev events with last summer. We can talk about that. But bringing it back to... The, the, the steps that we need to take, right? So step number one is building this platform, building out the components and talking about them, bringing together experts, sure. right? Government leaders, policy experts, uh, scientists, engineers, industry participants, and hashing out, if you will, 
all the you know fundamental elements, the fundamental pillars of what this is going to be, right? For what objectives? For all the objectives that we're talking about. So I was talking about hunger, talking about peace. Yep. And in terms of, I mean, the, the current operating system does is just negative, terrible on all those fronts. Well, you, you made a good analogy last time we spoke, and you know, and it, it's exactly what you're talking about. Is I think you, you it was comparing it to a parade. I don't want to botch it, but I want to yeah. let you say it. Sure, it sure, was- sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so here it is. the 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 best way to lead a parade is to find a parade and walk in front of it. Now, in the in the case of cannabis, you've got all these millions, millions, billion, you know, probably it's probably in the billions of people, uh, right. people around the world who basically say, why the heck is this stuff still, still illegal? Right. It should be legal. It should be it should be legalized and regulated and controlled uh, in a responsible way. Keep it away from kids, all this stuff. I mean, you know, ninety nine percent of, you know, you know rational right you know informed people who really are informed on the facts anthony are you a smoker by the way or a, a participant an no, indulgent mm-hmm. okay i'm just watching you <laughs> you are soaking this all in though I, I, you will be converted by the time this is over sounds good Let's do it. world peace that's what we're talking about absolutely no and and so if we make those our goals we can build a foundation right for an industry which supports all of sure. these of these goals at a at a global level, and 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 end up with an industry which promotes peace as opposed to promoting war and promoting violence, et cetera, et cetera. An important step I see along the way, um, yeah. if I can, you know, forecast. Yeah. Uh, mar- or cannabis. I'll, I'll use your 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 jargon. Um, is not the only illegal substance that people are fighting and warring over, and has caused you know the some of the woes that you've described. Yeah. Um, at what step, and you know, or just how how do you tackle that part of it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I frankly I don't have an answer for yeah. other substances simply because I haven't delved into it deeply enough to even form form an educated opinion. Right. Um, it's a fascinating question. No, I think what, if anything, it, you know, you, like you said, you start to set a precedent, like you write the manual yeah. and you have a, maybe you have a variation for those other verticals, right? Like yeah. heroin is going to exist, yes, but yes, 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 it's yes. like maybe the, the, the means by which we handle it exactly. become different. Exactly. You know, be based on the, the parade that you're leading. It, it, well, exactly. And, and this underscores the importance of doing the first one sure. as best as we possibly can. Right, and putting all of our heads together to come up with the best possible operating system for the global cannabis and hemp industries. Right. So, Eco is the place where we're having the conversations on this topic, this sure. conversation included. And so, um, once we have mastered the cannabis and hemp industries from the standpoint of the operating system, right, operating efficiently in an environmentally sustainable way, for example, a lot more greenhouse, you'll have a lot more greenhouse growing of cannabis than indoor grow. Right. Why? Because indoor grow is not environmentally sustainable. You've got the sun. You've got natural sunlight. Right. Right. And uh, as well as outdoor. So a combination of outdoor, greenhouse. It, some indoor grow will probably be defensible because of, of certain you know, special needs to grow certain specific varieties in certain ways. But on the but the the majority of the growth should be done in environmentally sustainable ways. But in, to ensure that, we need to build those values and those goals in at the very foundation of the industry. Right. So once we've done that for cannabis, like you suggest, we can go after other verticals. But we can then take that same technology of building an operating system for a given industry and applying that to other industries. And that's one of the vectors by which will affect the transformation of the world's economy. Right. Right. How how long of a timeline is this, right? Like, how long before you say, hey, we are, like, obviously the the initial step of getting the talks and the people together and kind of yeah, yeah. vocalizing it, um, are we looking at one year, ten years, <laughs> you know, like, where, where do you see where you actually start, where I at home with, you know, my nine-year-old daughter can yeah. kind of feel the effects of the, of Eco and, and Jamie Shively? Sure, sure, sure. Um, so... It's interesting. I would look at it in sort of an exponential paradigm. And so, for example, if you look at the percentage of Americans who favor legalization, it took a huge leap 
uh, in the 12 month period ending in the fall last year, it was just, it went from, you know, hovering right around 50% to boom, you right. know, close to 60% in favor. Yep. And it's, if you look at the graph, it, it's just Google, you know, Gallup poll marijuana, right? It's the top link. Click on the graph and you'll see that it, it mirrors an exponential, uh, you know, function. Sure. And so these phenomena um, are exponential. And so people's understanding that there is a way to transform an industry in such a way that you have a, sub- a very substantial impact on things that all people care about or that all people want to care about, right? right? Such as making sure that their, their brothers and sisters, their fellow human beings, are okay, that they're adequately nourished, that they've right. got a roof over their heads, right? And that people aren't fighting each other. So as as president, I see on your business card, of, yeah. of ECO, or yeah. just as a, a CEO or leader of, a, of an organization, um, this is a, a little step back in a little bit more philosophical direction, but how do you go about getting people to see and actualize your vision? Yeah. Right? Because you, like... You know, whether it's Puffy or, you know, some other big, you know, comes in here with like, oh, this this is what we're going to do. And you're excited about it. But at, at some point, me or Anthony, we just need we need marching orders. Right. Like, Absolutely. So how do you how do yeah. you how do you go from big vision to actualizing it and communicating that vision to to people that you need to support you and work for you? Perfect. Perfect. So we use the amazing technologies of the Internet and social media so that it becomes a viral conversation. Right. It becomes something where uh, a person who still be- who like let's let here's a goal that a year from today, right? What's today? June twenty fourth. June twenty fourth. Okay, let's 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 establish that as a goal that by June twenty fourth of twenty fifteen, um, over seventy percent of Americans. From children to adults to seniors, over 70% of Americans believe that it is absolutely preposterous that people are still starving in such large numbers today or in any numbers. Right. And that is, that is completely solvable, right, a year from now. Sure. That's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a communication challenge. And, in fact, one of the things I was brainstorming with Congressman Rohrabacher that I was mentioning mm-hmm. is we were brainstorming what if we were to create a movie, like a sci-fi movie, it sort of spanned reality and sci-fi. And it would start with present, take, present day conditions in 2014 and then go into the future, right, and paint a picture of a set of technologies, a set of policies, right, a set of organizations such as ECO, sure. a set of heroes such as uh, Elon Musk, the, you know, the head of Tesla, who's doing all these amazing he's doing am- Yeah, he's doing amazing work. Oh, my goodness. I had, had dinner <clears> – <throat> Had dinner with him last night, and and he he delivered an amazing speech, and uh, it was just it was just phenomenal the, his perspectives. That's awesome. On things. So, but so folks like that, people who really exist in real life, will be cast into this sci-fi film. You are now a character in the sci-fi film, yes. right? Seriously, I don't want to die. By the way, just no, you you won't die. You won't okay. die. Reminds me of like the good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> don't die, Blondie. <laughs> <laughs> So no, don't die. No, you you won't die. All right, good. Yeah. So because I need you, we need you, the world needs you to communicate this message. That look, we don't have all the answers. We don't have a solution. By the way, did you watch that fifteen minute video I sent to you? Yes. I awesome. Did. Yeah. Can, we, can we post that on the on the site? Well, here? yes. It'll definitely be a link to the video. Perfect. Perfect. On the on. The, so guys, scroll down. If you're listening, <laughs> no, no. What do you mean? If they're listening, everyone's listening. As, well, as you are listening, as you are listening, scroll down, but don't depart the. You know, don't leave until the interview's over. Yeah, don't then leave. go watch the video. Then go watch the video. Yeah, and, and uh, anyway, it's the the holistic global. Got to be real specific with these people. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, no. So, so that's that's <laughs> that's the holistic global solution video, and right. you'll see a mathematical model, a computer model, sure, or the, or the concept of it uh, for how to actually go about uh, transforming all of these global issues simultaneously. Right in one, you know, unified process that needs to become a meme. But right. before that becomes a meme, the cannabis, the fact that we're creating the operating system for the global cannabis industry, needs to become a sure. meme. Now, this is a fascinating thing. This whole notion of an operating system for any industry really didn't exist until now. Right. Until now that you're, you know, hundred thousand brilliant, amazing listeners, you guys <laughs> rock! <laughs> woo woo! Yeah. 
I need to come up with a name for them. Crushers or something. Crushers. Yeah, yeah, crushers. Do you like crushers? I love crushers. Well, here's the thing. We're, we're <laughs> I want something more positive than crushers. Well, right? crush is like you either have a, like you have a crush on something that's there innovative. You there you go. Or you're crushing it. Like you're doing a bang-up job okay, at gotcha. whatever it is you're doing. Totally. Totally. So crushers of the world unite. <laughs> right? No, seriously. Um, but uh, this meme, right? Right. Of that an that that there can be an operating system for an industry didn't exist until right now until the crushers heard it, right? Yes. Philosophical point didn't exist until they heard it. Now that they've heard it, they can spread it. And then the thing is, well, what does it look like? What's an example of this? Well, go to eco.org. Well, what's eco? Well, it's the it's the you know global trade association for the international cannabis industry and right. hemp industry is a multi hundred billion dollar industry, which so you, is growing. You mentioned some pretty powerful names, Senator. President, yeah. Elon Musk. Who yeah. are other supporters that are sort of like who's on your team, right? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. right now we know Jamin Shively. Uh, you know, you Google that name, it's you, and it's a picture of you, and there's a Huffing, Huffington Post article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But what does what does your your personal professional sphere look like? So let me ask you. A I question. feel like it's a like a hip hop album. Who who you got producing on your on your album? Right. So we got Chris Denson, <laughs> right? Seriously, yes. no. And you and you're, I'm here. And you're a powerful force. Right, in this conversation. Yes. So uh, Mexi- former Mexican President Vicente Fox. Um, we've got a bunch of local uh, leaders from uh, the, the state of Washington, uh, government, non-government. For example, John Davis, who's one of the you know, top folks at HempFest, and he co-founded the Coalition for Cannabis Standards and Ethics in Washington State. He's a board member of the National Cannabis Industry Association, awesome. et cetera, et cetera. So we've got people with incredible credentials. Um, We've got uh, one of the top cancer surgeons in the country. We've got the former, uh, you know, one of the top, uh, for, uh, ex- you know, civilian positions in government wow. spanning FDA, USDA, et cetera, heads of universities, academics, um, legal experts, uh, engineers. But what's interesting, here's, here's the fascinating thing, Chris. As this conversation evolves, there is never a single, like, you know, single unified vision of exactly what's possible because we keep going beyond, right? right? It was only a couple of weeks ago I was talking with Congressman Rohrabacher, and we're brainstorming about this reality-slash-sci-fi. sounds amazing, by the way. Doesn't it? Dude, no, no, l- l- listen to <laughs> this, Chris. You. No, no, dude, listen to this. You remember, h- how old are you? If you um, don't... I'm, uh... <laughs> oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's edit that out. Look, I'm a couple years younger than you, probably. Probably more than I'm, a, I don't mean that as a yeah, yeah, no, comp- pro, pro, competitive insult or anything. No, 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 no. Pro, probably more than a couple. So, so here, so, <laughs> look, when you watch Star Wars, you come out of Star Wars for the first time as a kid, it's like, wow. Yeah. You know, it's like that rocked my world. It's like my, my, my definition of cool has been transformed, right? This is yes. just like a new kind of cool. Because it's not just cool, cool, like, ooh, isn't that shiny and isn't that whatever. It's like it speaks r- right to the heart and soul. Right. You know values and you know unity and working together and and taking on a giant challenge that almost seems insurmountable right yep. now take that same passion and excitement take it out of the realm of fantasy and put it into the realm of reality so that when you walk out of the film there are immediate actions that you can take right now this afternoon or this evening right and say wow i can join the social network right i can join this discussion forum i can join the conversation that is creating and evolving this, whatever it is, right? right? This transformation of life on Earth as we know so it. So the film is kind of like one gear in the machine. Right? Exactly. But it's a very important gear. An extremely important gear because that's the kind of thing where essentially overnight you can take the world from not knowing to knowing. Right. And from not participating to actively participating. So let me ask you this. Uh, you know, uh, that's a, I mean, that's a brilliant vision. And then when you look at kind of like your team or your, um, you know, the people that you've gotten on board, yeah. how long did it take you to build that sort of Rolodex, right? Because here you are, ex-Microsoft and God knows whatever else you did before then. Yeah. Um, totally entering this blindly uh, to some extent, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, and then, like, how do you go into – a you know, take a left turn from your career and yeah. then like have dinner with Elon Musk a, a couple of years later. <laughs> well, here, let, let me, let me give you, let me give you an example. So, um, I met president Vicente Fox in 2001 at the time I was running Shively international, uh, in the United States and Mexico, we were building and operating, uh, 
educational computer centers, thank you, and for-profit uh, cyber cafes in, on the west coast of Mexico. And President Fox, phenomenally popular uh, president of one of the largest countries in the world, right. um, made his first official visit to the state of Sinaloa, Mexico, to inaugurate Chively International's 25th Educational Computer Center. Wow. So that's how I got to know him. But of course, if you, if you asked me about cannabis at the time, I'd either say, I, I, I don't know, or yeah, I guess it should be illegal because it's bad. You know, and Nancy Reagan said- Shut up and open this school. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but anyway, so, so then, you know, 12 years later, I call him up, or I, you know, try to get through to him, but I get through to his secretary. He's in a meeting, and I say, look, this is really, really important. We're going to do this press conference announcing that we're acquiring this, uh, this company right. up in the state of Washington, building the first national brand sure. of cannabis. And this has very important implications for Mexico because, you know, maybe somewhere around half of the drug cartel revenue comes from cannabis, right? And so um, uh, on like two days' notice, he flew up. And we did an amazing press conference. You can you, know, you just go to YouTube and just type in Jamin Shively, yeah. you know, Fox, whatever. And um, it just rocked the world because President, here's this here's this bold, courageous leader who's not afraid of dying, um, whose whose country has gone from a prosperous, uh, um, successful, peaceful country at the beginning of his tenure to essentially being a failed state. Right. And it's an utter tragedy. And so for the first time, you've got, a, you've got the leader of a major country uh, coming to the United States and directly appealing to the United States government to repeal prohibition. <laughs> so I guess it's probably a domino effect from there. Like Absolutely. Everybody else just kind of is like, oh. No, no, it, it is a domino effect because then congressmen – listen to this. So one of, the, one of the things I said in my speech was I said the Berlin Wall of cannabis, the Berlin Wall of prohibition of cannabis is weak. And it is crumbling as we speak. Well, check this out. Congressman Dana Rohrabacher years ago was a speechwriter for Ronald Reagan. And he was the one who personally appealed to the Gipper. <laughs> I love the face. Yeah, I, I wish I had a picture of you doing the Gipper face. <laughs> he personally appealed to the Gipper to make the speech, Gorbachev, tear down this wall. So when he heard me make my speech, he said, high five, get that guy on the phone. And this was like two days before the big three-day symposium that President right. Vicente Fox and I were holding in Mexico that I, that I mentioned earlier, and where I've got this other just you know long list of – I mean we had, I ended up oversubscribed with 12 delegates coming down because you know, to get 10 people to come to Mexico you for three days – 50. You, exactly. <laughs> and so I, 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 I overshot. But, but the fact that I was able to overshoot itself was because my network was growing so quickly. I mean, because it, we did this on like six weeks' notice. Pre right. President Fox and I – I mean, for him to pick up the phone and get somebody to come, that's, that's a bit – you know, <laughs> he's got a little bit more pull than I do, <laughs> exactly. shall we say. Um, anyway, so it was it – was, and so um, I asked uh, Congressman Rohrabacher if I could fly him down. You know, send a right. private jet and, and take him down because it was like on a couple days' notice, and he's in Washington D.C. Well, no, according to the congressional rules, we can't do that. But he did present at the symposium virtually, right through 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 video conference, right? And so that's how I got to know him. And then over time, we you know just talk about more Brilliant. and more topics. And now we're talking about this amazing sci-fi concept. <laughs> I mean, it's just so amazing. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to switch gears a little bit uh, for a second, uh, just a little bit more of a systemic question, right? Where um, you do have this big vision, um, and then as you go out, I'm sure, like you said, once the dominoes start falling, yeah. opportunities are abound. Like, you can do yeah. this thing, you can do that thing. Um, how do you kind of stay focused? Like, what was what was your strategy to focus on, the, you know, that one thing that's going to really make this work, and then everything else is kind of an add-on or, a, you know, a value add of some sort. So you mean like the focus of starting with cannabis and, and focusing on that initially, or can you tell well, me? Well, yeah, I think, uh, you know, because we get a lot of entrepreneurs that listen, um, executives, and, and so on and so forth. So when we look at, like, the startup environment, yeah, right, and when yeah. they're focused on developing yeah. their product no. versus marketing versus okay. branding versus partnerships. I've got, a, I've got just the answer for you. Okay, so check this out. There is a tension between two things. One is focus. The other is, is what I'll call dimensional enhancement. Okay? So when I invited President Fox to come and you know, join, right. join me and others in this big press conference we were going to do, 
And actually, when we were talking about doing the press conference in the first place, there were those who said, wait a second, what do you, you know, what do you, you know, we're not a PR company, you know, we're starting a retail, you know, uh, we're creating the the premium brand of cannabis. Um, And my point was, look, we've taken the message of we're building a cannabis brand far enough. Now it's time to do a dimensional enhancement, like from two dimensions to three dimensions. The dimensional enhancement being, let's get into the realm of politics and policy. Right. And the international dimension and the drug war. Right. right? And let's uh, let's get the world's attention. Let's get the world focused on this topic. And one can say, oh, well, that detracts from business. Actually, to the contrary, that more than anything else, those events with with former Mexican President Vicente Fox were what, you know, catapulted us to the number one. Sure. Most. You know, I I mean, I asked a friend of mine, um, hey, who do you think is the number two brand right now? And he said, Jamin, there does not even exist the notion <laughs> yeah, so that there is a number two, yeah. right? I mean, that's how powerful it was. So, and here's the fascinating thing. So we built the number one brand of cannabis without selling a single gram of cannabis, <laughs> right? It's amazing, yeah. It's, what, what, it's more than amazing. It's actually magic, right? It really is magic. And we're applying that same magic to now all of the world's global transformational issues. Sure. And we're starting with eco as the first domino, to use your analogy, right? Yeah. But over time, what I want for the fut- in the future is to change one of the uh, words in that acronym, eco, going from the International Coalition of Cannabis Companies and Organizations to then broaden it to the International Coalition of Compassionate Companies and Organizations. And with what we're going to do is we're going to turn compassionate into the number one lifestyle brand in the world. Hmm. Compassionate. Because who does not want compassion? Right? That's true. Now. Anthony, do you want, you want some compassion? Sure. <laughs> take Anthony, them. shut up. <laughs> we're trying to have a car- – you're just like butting in. You're supposed to like nod and – anyway. Thumbs up. I'm sorry. See, <laughs> I'm, I'm being I'm being dramatic. Well, you know, you know, he hasn't like the last man, uh, five, six, seven, eight shows I've recorded. He hasn't been here, so I've, I've, I'm overdue with my Anthony, we're my trying side to talk dialogue. About compassion here, okay? Would you just like <laughs> tone it down a little bit? Tone it down a bit. Man. No, I'm just I'm, that, that's an example of that's a, a, a perfect example, example of compassion of, of anti-compassion. Right. Exactly. And we just have far too much of that. It's competition, right? Being afraid that someone's going to steal my thunder. Yes. Right, that's, so, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, I mean, that also gets in, in not to derail too far, but like yeah. that's that also gets into the abundance mentality. Absolutely, like there is enough to go around. Absolutely. You know? So absolutely. Uh, so the show is called Innovation Crush. Um, what out there in the world do you see? Uh, sort of outside your own purview. Which is yeah. the word I hate. I hate the word purview. I, and <laughs> right. it, it always like creeps into yeah, some yeah. weird conversation. I'm like, why did I say that? Well, <laughs> um, what's something out there that you see that you are kind of crushing on yourself? Whether it's a technology piece or something in the entertainment industry, or just you know maybe even something in your own. Yeah. yeah. So here, here's here's one where we're crushing on it. Um, so, and in a way, it's a dimensional enhancement. Um, just like the sci-fi film is a dimensional enhancement. Right. So the, the, because that's one thing. Because you know, in a week, you can transform the world with an amazing film, right? With a blockbuster film. That's right? true. And where better to be having this conversation than right here? Yeah, and, I, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. So dude, <laughs> here we go. Fist bump. We, the world is changing as we speak. It's you happening. get a fist bump too. So so check this out. Um, Another dimensional enhancement is the following. Look, it would take, I don't know, $100 million in you know, three and a half years to produce this amazing sci-fi film, right? right? In the meantime, how many tens of millions or hundreds of people are, um, hundreds of millions of people are going to starve to death, right? So imagine this. The dimensional enhancement is bring it back to present day and instantiate it now, to use another software term, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the way to do that is to kick off this whole process as a documentary television series of the making of, of the making <laughs> of the film and of this entire process. I think like three people's heads just exploded. I'm, the... I'm serious. <laughs> and so I'm about to invite in, I didn't tell you about this in advance, Chris, but I'm about to invite in the documentary. Yeah. 
television crew. <laughs> nice. Just, I'm just kidding. But, but, that's, see, but, but here's the thing. I made a look. No, 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 really. It made you both look. Because, yes. And that's the thing. That's the beautiful thing about the dimensional enhancement and using the magic of PR and marketing. You first generate the idea, right? right? How did we build the number one brand of cannabis in the world without selling one single gram of cannabis? It's not first to market. It's first to mind. Right. Read the 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing by Rise and Trout. Rewind it, and I'll say yes. it again. The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. Um, it is a must-read, and um, it's remarkable how few people have read it. Uh, I mean, I would give out copies of that at Microsoft like popcorn. Yeah. And say, so you've got to read this. No, I think also is, you know, you've, you created – you identified with a culture – and presented a brand promise that resonated with them, or and and at least a whole set, like I don't know, it's kind of like when when somebody shows you a possibility, right? exactly. Like you align exactly. with the possibility, and and it's a, it's a, that's at the moment of creation. Once you see that possibility, like you said, I think three people's heads just exploded, <laughs> exactly. right? When, when that's the moment when it becomes real in your mind, and when it's real in your mind, it's real. Yes, and when it's real in the minds of a billion people. It's very, very it's real. It's very, very, very real. Um, complete this phrase for me. Yes. Innovation to me is? Innovation to me is um, it's a combination and a highly nonlinear combination of the following elements. Dimensional enhancement, courage, um, risk-taking, um, respecting and at the same time transforming your fear or your relationship to fear of being wrong, right? Because for a big dimensional enhancement or for two in a row, right? Right. I mean, I could, I could just as easily become the laughing stock of the world as I could be the one who leads the creation of this amazing documentary television series and the sci-fi movie and the operating system for the global cannabis industry, yep. the operating system for the global oil and petrochemical industries, the operating system for the global food industries, yes. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it's, it's not being afraid of the unknown. Because at the end of the day, you don't know the answer or the outcome. You know the effort. And it's founded in some science and some you know general knowledge and a gut feeling and experience. Yeah. And it, it may, like, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's no doubt in your mind as far as, like, its potential to be successful. And I think, a lot, you know, a lot of us start to question steps 12 before we take step one. No, no, exactly. And also it's like, you know, we'll be in the middle of talking about something and then I'll go off on a different tangent, right? It's the willingness to go off on tangents. Yes. Right? And, and veer, veer out, outside the lines and clear off the paper and onto the floor and you're playing like a kid again, yep. right? And experimenting with concepts and laughing and just... Or Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind when it's just got like mathematical yeah. formulas all over the wall. Yeah, exactly. And, and the beautiful thing is, Chris, this happens when we're in conversation, right? It's happening with the three of us right now, and it's happening in a very you know, metaphysical sense with all of the crushers out there. Go all crushers. the crushers. Exactly. You like, you like crushers? I like it too. I'm, I'm keeping it. And another, another kind of like um, amazing... Uh, thing that I'm cultivating is the ability to look back from the future, right? And so project into the future and say, this is how the future looks. Right. Look back on the Jamin in 2014 and give him support, give him energy, give him strength. What's the one bit of advice that the future Jamin would give to the present Jamin? Keep going and um, don't hold back. Because, you know, sometimes I think, oh, I shouldn't say that. In fact, just this morning I was talking with my buddy uh, overlooking the beautiful ocean and I don't know, what is it, Playa del Rey, where there's that big tall yes. cliff and all that. Anyway, and he says, you know, you should, and I was telling him, hey, I'm going you know, to meet with Chris Denson and we're going to do this really cool show, right? And I said, I want to talk about this and this and this and this and this and this, right? And he said, you know, I really think you should keep it focused because if you just, if you just go way too far out there and talk about all the world's, you know, problems <laughs> and everything else, people aren't going to take you seriously. Right. Or it's just going to be too much for them. But, I, but you see, that's part of dimensional enhancement. Like the way I talk to kids, like, for example, if I have a cousin who has like a two-year-old, I don't talk to that two-year-old like a two-year-old. I talk to the two-year-old like a seven-year-old, right? Yep. Ex- fully expecting and believing 
that he will come up to speed intellectually. Yeah, right. Well, it's just like well, it's just like I have a one and a half year old, and I had like a, a milestone of a weekend where I was like I had very conversational, you know, interaction with him. Yeah, and you know, he understood. He sat down. He followed me. Like you know, yeah. most things you don't expect like a almost two year old to do. Like, they will take off as soon as you put them down, right? And I was like, hey, you know, follow me. Just, like, all these different things. But it wasn't, like, irate parent or, like, oh, baby talk or just the things that you think you need to do to communicate with certain kids or just individuals in general. Like, a lot of times we try to become what we think the person across from us is in order to communicate, which there's a little bit of that that happens. But, like, you are almost good enough as you are. And you are awesome. Thank you. Um, you I do want to thank you for coming down today and like having this conversation with us. Where can people find you, find the movement, support yeah, yeah. you, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, th- so th- uh, they, first of all, thank you, Chris. This has been absolutely amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to, to more uh, you know, follow-up. Um, but people can go to org, and that's three C's in a row. So it's ICCCO.org, eco.org. Great. Um, anything else? Twitter handle, link, do you do all that stuff? Oh, all, just... all, all that'll be on. Okay, the, it's on all the there. Yeah. My Twitter hand, handle is at uh, Densonology. Wow. Anthony, you follow me. Um, so, everybody, I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank my guest again, Jamin Shively, for joining us. Um, this has been another installment of Innovation Crush, and we will talk to you next time. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleisinger, Schleisinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years, one of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and 3 comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.